A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hamflet from What Culture to talk about shocking WWE babyface burials. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlin to talk about his list, 10 shocking WWE babyface burials you totally don't remember, which is, of course, available to read right now at whatculture.com, as well as all the other usual good stuff. Uh, Hamlet, what was the uh, inspiration behind this list? Um, the inspiration is going to sound like I was being forward-thinking, but it wasn't actually me. It was a um, well-known re- wrestling Twitter scamp, by the name of Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, if you're um, not following him, get on board. Great contributor to the content. Friend of mine from the internet forum years that I'd like to pretend didn't happen. Um, and a Sunderland resident as well. So an all-around great man and legend. He um, he brought up this segment in preparation for the Ultimate Warrior content that we were going to be given in Deluge, as it turns out, as A&E decided to change their schedule around so he could get the jump on Dark Side of the Rings take on the Warrior. Um by reposting a segment where Warrior as WWE champion uh, kind of like brought a little girl onto the Brother Love show who was in the Warrior face paint and went by the name of Amanda Ultimate Warrior and then did a handstand and all this sort of stuff. And it brought to mind something that I know myself and Cedric have pontificated on before over the virtual desks and indeed with you on podcasts. Roman Reigns saying the things he said as a baby face was not a new phenomenon John Cena's, what was it, baloney, mustard and fudge, whatever it was, like not a new phenomenon. It's all WWE knows when it comes to their top baby faces. And the Ultimate Warrior trotting out Amanda Ultimate Warrior with half his face paint on as a way to try and humanise this character. Indeed, I think it was actually Sidgwick that brought the tweet to my attention and said, God, remember this, you know, be a fun one to talk about. Like, it just made a mockery of that gimmick. They were obsessed with humanising him as their new world champion instead of him being this just agent of chaos that he was as the Ultimate Warrior, this unhinged lunatic, which, you know, documentary one in the books doesn't stem too far away from some of the, you know, some of the reputation that he said, he, mm. you know, might have had at the time. Um, but they were determined to make him a human being as well as, well, a literal Ultimate Warrior. 
failed horribly. It was part of a title reign that was bombing virtually from the off. Uh, and it's really cringeworthy because I don't want to be one of them hacks. I don't want to be every student in every student living room thinking that they're reinventing the wheel when it's, <laughs> wasn't that kid's character from when he was young, a paedophile? No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he absolutely wasn't. That's not what anybody was saying. But it's still weird when this like lunatic, this agent of chaos, is planting a kiss on a kid's cheek on television and talking about ultimate love instead of just the fact that he's going to squash Rick Rude at SummerSlam. I'd rather loads more of the latter than some of the former. Thanks very mm. much. And I'm going to go for the first entry in this properly to the most obvious choice, because I read this and I saw you'd written it and I thought, well, Diesel's magazine's going to be on this, isn't he? <laughs> and he was. Diesel, number four, Diesel's WWF magazine cover. You've talked about this on, on many occasions, but it, it bears repeating because... Well, you had flashes of it recently with, with Raquel Gonzalez that they're like, hey, everybody likes you now. Yeah. Um, I would apologise for being predictable, but I kind of relish the opportunity to bring this up whenever I can because it's just a mistake that they make so often. Um, I've put this in the article. I think that it really does speak to how few people were watching this product that this isn't brought up more. This magazine cover, of which the full glorious image is available in the article at whatculture.com if you want to check it out, um, finds Diesel a month into his title reign in the era of the magazines and those that maybe didn't have access to Monday Night Raw every week. They might have been finding this magazine for the very first time, finding out that Diesel is world champion. So this is your first impressions count for everything. And your first impression of Diesel as world champion is not the guy that did all the damage to the baby faces at the Survivor Series, then just turned on Shawn Michaels when he'd had enough. He's not the guy that threw all those guys out of the Royal Rumble to the point where Vincent Mann sat up and took notice and was like, I'm going to push that guy. Look at, look at how big he is. <laughs> People are chanting for a big guy. I'm going to push him. Uh, and he's handsome and he's funny. And he seems like he can relate to people and he can connect to people despite being big. He's not the guy that for 1994 was just the cool guy looking over Shawn Michaels' shoulder, waiting very possibly to be anointed as the WWE champion. He's diet Lex Luger, who was diet Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he clutching the title, much in the same way Ultimate Warrior is clutching Amanda Ultimate Warrior, oddly enough, <laughs> with this big beaming smile on his face in front of what can only be described as a flesh-coloured curtain that kind of looks like a close-up of some wrinkled skin, as if to suggest maybe he's gone for this smiling, belt-hugging photo shoot in an old folks' home. Nothing about this. It so looks like someone's what? hanging up their mattress uh, cover to dry <laughs> in the background. Diesel was the hardest man in WWE for a year. And the hardest part of this magazine cover is a picture of Chuck Norris immediately <laughs> over a shoulder of Diesel promoting that he just worked Survivor Series the prior year. It's, it may sound like I'm overstating the significance of this, but if you think that already the kind of alarm bells are like kind of ringing a little bit, oh, Christ, he's not as cool as he was five minutes ago. And then he goes on to have a total bang with Brett at the Royal Rumble, but he doesn't beat Brett. It doesn't go to a finish. There's run-ins. It's a great match, but he can't win his first title shot. And you're holding up the magazine of this smiling guy that has just failed in his first big match, like a year and a half after Lex Luger did exactly the same thing. Mm. You're thinking, you're not getting this, Vince. <laughs> There's a really good reason why people aren't becoming your next Hulk Hogan, brother. Um... As a fan, as a huge fan, as much as I love Diesel, and I think I've made this very clear on this podcast before, 
Um, for all my eyes were turned to pro wrestling by the Ultimate Warrior, my first love was Bret Hart. Diesel was very much a second love. And then I looked at him and then he kind of became like a secondary love. And I just thought, these are pretty great. I'll wait for Brett to get the battle back. I love Dee. Look at him. He's a truck. He's class. But he's not he's not going to replace Brett in my heart. And I think a lot of people felt that. So much so that at WrestleMania, when Diesel fought Shawn Michaels, Shawn managed to quite easily baby face himself by just being like the best version of himself as a pro wrestler. So I his days were numbered pretty much in that magazine coming out. Uh, from the thing that, that made you very concerned. So something that made me very concerned, a far more recent example of that, and that was how they treated Asuka. After, I mean, she shouldn't have dropped the title in the first place at WrestleMania. But after that, in particular, and it's, you know, rough to look back on even more so now, with her interactions with one James Ellsworth. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Like, this should be one of those times where you have to be as angry that nothing means anything in modern WWE as you are grateful for it. I quite like 2018 as a calendar year. When I think about 2018, those wrestling flashpoints that come into mind are generally quite positive. I think about two total banger Royal Rumbles. I think about just the transcendent first year of Ronda Rousey. I think about the Evolution pay-per-view and the year itself capped off by Asuka winning the women's, title, the women's championship in a match with Becky Lynch as the man and Charlotte Flair in the ladder match. The year started with Asuka winning the Royal Rumble. So you're looking at all this and you're thinking, what a 2018 Asuka had. Absolutely amazing. Royal Rumble, TLC. Yeah, she lost against Charlotte at WrestleMania, but people love that match. Total banger. It's everything else that happens. All the goddamn time. Like every week. That's why we're so freaking miserable on a Tuesday. <laughs> like, there's always something, man. And yeah, Carmella had, of course, cashed in on Charlotte, which, you know kind of invalidated Charlotte's victory over Asuka, you know, so soon after it happened. Asuka gets the shot and you think, right, if and when Asuka beats Carmella, they're going to have to do some sort of rubber match with Asuka and Charlotte to prove that, yes, she's won the title off an inferior champion, but, you know, could she beat Charlotte? WWE swerved that problem <laughs> by having Asuka be Carmella's, like, first hurdle opponent. And they thought to themselves, oh, nobody's going to believe that Carmella can actually beat Asuka. So rather than just think, should we just not book her against Carmella? They thought, <laughs> no, we got a better idea. Bring, I'm going to, again, use WWE phrasing because they got it perfect. Natalia, I think it was, that said it in that promo, wasn't he? Bring that chinless insect back. <laughs> Put him with Carmella in an act that people quite enjoyed and have him wear Asuka's coat and mask as the babyface standstill interference of the week. It wasn't entrance music. It wasn't fire on the stage. It wasn't a trombone. It was that James Ellsworth has stolen your gear and he's getting his disgusting skunk smell on it. And Asuka just stood there, frozen in confusion, and Carmella stole one. Just looking back at that, it is just preposterous. Because did they have a? Well, I'm just, just I'm just Wikipediaing this. Did they have another match after that? Well, I think she beat her with Ellsworth at a ring second. Yeah. yeah, it was in a shark cage. It went five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why, like, I say worse than a burial because I, like, burials come in many forms, and 
you know, they'll have had they, in their minds, they're protecting Asuka. The last thing they're thinking is, oh, like people are going to receive her as doomed after this. That's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens because people are just like, like your baby faces, Asuka, this killer of NXT looks like an idiot. Once upon a time, we're born, I might have sat on a podcast with you and said, when she was undefeated, dread it, run from it, it's Asuka. I couldn't say that after this. And just thank goodness nothing like this would ever happen again. <laughs> Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Let's talk about Triple H. He always pops up on these lists. And it really annoys me, this one, because I was a huge fan of Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Even when my sort of vague interest in, in WWE was, was sort of waning, I loved London and Kendrick. I tried to, I remember one of the games, I can't remember which one it was, I got it. And I was like, I'm going to do a career with Paul London. Mm-hmm. And it went, bollocks to you. You can't blaze him on this game. Or you go, you certainly can do a career as him on this game. And I think if I tried to beat him in the Royal Rumble, it was like Vince had written the game. Because I remember trying to do like an Irish whip to send someone out of the ring. And they just sort of stood there. And it was like, you too, you're too much of a little bitch to be able to throw anyone out of the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Personified by what Triple H did to, to him and Brian Kendrick after they just helped him. Such a great example there, Wilborn, of exactly the type of wrestler Paul London was. Um, I what well, I was always a bit of a sucker for Rhino in the exact same spot. And it was just the gamer just decided that he wasn't going to be able to get to the ability level, no matter how hard you tried to get like a top title on him. Yeah, Paul London was exactly that. Him and Brian Kendrick, um, as a tag team, had a long reign as champions on SmackDown. It overlooked, but the matches were always tremendous. 
Like M&M know, they work with and stuff. Yeah, um, kind of low-key pay-per-view highlights. Um, aerialists, they both were. There were a couple of dolphins flying in those <laughs> tag title defences. Um, so, yeah, just really well liked. Absolutely no reason to do anything bad to them unless you were in a feud with them because they've, they were always hitting a ceiling. Like, they just weren't Vince guys, evidently. Mm. Uh, Paul London wasn't going to suck up to the stupid things the company would request of them as wonderfully highlighted in the legendary smiling at Vince in the face as he's walking out of Raw, all that good stuff. And yeah, this, as I, as I put it in the article, what people really dislike about Triple H is that a lot of the time you have to like really dive into the postscript of why he was such an arsehole. <laughs> like you need long form conversations to be like, well, it was really like the Brock Lesnar feud. He won at WrestleMania. Nobody's going to remember the SummerSlam match or the frigging extreme rules. Yeah. Steel cage, two out of three falls match. They're going to remember WrestleMania when he won there. He let, he let Booker T win on a Raw. Where did he beat him? WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, but that, that, that meaningless tag match on Raw so like dealt with the racism storyline. This is what he does. He put over Jeff Hardy, clean in the middle, then stared down the lens of the camera and shrugged. No, oh, got me this time. You know, like, that's not exactly seeing the writing on the wall for your main event run, is it? Like, that's, that's how he does business. It's how we always do business. He's really insecure. He's not as good as the people he thinks he's as good as. Um, and he just pedigreed them into the dirt here. He pounded their dicks into the dirt um, because they had the temerity to help him out. He And, like, I love this. Again, more Triple H. Yeah, this like, is perfect. So, like... He's getting beaten down by Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch, and Carlito. Carlito, he was feuding with, who he was going to crush easily at the pay-per-view. Um, he's getting beaten down by all three. London and Kendrick come out and help. London and Kendrick end up face down on the map, getting pedigreed. After Triple H does a, oh, yeah, thanks very much. You're not my friends. I'm better than C. Boston. Like that. Pedigrees. How had the match gone for him? The handicap match. He'd beaten the tag team champions, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. He was getting beaten down three on one because he'd won a two on one. And like that scene, there's that scene, right? In Family Guy, it's a bit crude. They're like, I think Peter is in the house and like Brian's got an older girlfriend, but she's experienced. And like all these men come into the house and they know this old girlfriend. And Brian's like, oh, right, bloody hell. You know that guy, do you? And then there's one guy that just walks past that's like, Gonna go sleep with her, and then you're gonna do other things tonight. So this ain't even my whole night, you know. She's just like sleeping with her is just one part of his evening. Like Triple H winning the handicap. This ain't even my whole night. Yeah. I'm gonna bury another tag team. What? He loved it. He loved it. Another person I feel quite sorry for. Uh, less so when it's The Rock doing it to him, but more so when it's Stone Cold. Is Billy Gunn. Oh, I, love, yeah. I interviewed him. He's a lovely bloke. Yeah. I, I don't like Stone Cold Steve Austin in the year 2000. No. I've banged this drum for, for a long time. Um, I just have such deep affection for the year 2000. WWE having, like, overcome WWE in 1998, having achieved like enormous, undeniable mainstream success in 1999 had, how can I put this? The product smelt a little bit less of beer and spunk in the year 2000. It was marginally better to its women. 
it was intricately booked in a way that WWE had never been intricately booked before. WCW was in the mud. ECW was financially destitute, so they signed the best in-ring talent. It was, AW loved this phrasing, it was the buffet. Mm. WWE not only was the kingpin of pro wrestling, again, it was also the buffet. So you had all the big stars. Rock and like Rock was the big mainstream star in the absence of Steve Austin. Triple H, for once, was what he said he was with the game. He was the best. Um, just a rich undercard of great pro wrestlers. X-Pac as a character was two years old, and that was deemed so old that the term X-Pac Heat was invented. That was how fast-moving and fresh everything was. Yeah. But they had to invent a term for a character that dared to be two years old. Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler, two years old, right? That's how fresh all this was. And then Steve Austin wants to come back into the picture. Of course, he's going to come back at the top level. Of course, he's going to want to get revenge on the guy that hit him, hit him with a car. It's not 2021. He's not just going to forget it. Um, or in the case of like, Elias and Jeff Hardy, just believe somebody who it definitely wasn't. <laughs> oh, oh, it is The Rock. It's not The Rock. We rolled that. It's the, in Rock. <laughs> um, so he was going to get to the bottom of all this. And there was a big rumor it was Billy Gunn. They'd, um, and I think there was you know, possible plans that it was going to be Billy Gunn. They'd kept him away from the Survivor Series that night. He was conspicuous by his absence until match time. So when you see DX getting chased off into the car park before Austin gets hit by, you know, the car, all of DX there apart from Billy Gunn. And it's weird. It's noticeable. And Billy Gunn was always this best pure athlete guy. Of course, he'd had that feud with The Rock. He was king of the ring. So it was always this idea that maybe he's the guy. Apparently, Austin is just like, no, he's not the guy. No, 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 no. And like, I guess he compromised on Rikishi because it would get him back to Triple H, which would get him back to The Rock. You know, he saw that as making it a touch more sense. Oh, I don't know. He just respected Samoans maybe. But um, yeah, like Billy Gunn was given the noob off uh, Steve Austin for this particular role. And Billy Gunn thus was given a promo to go out and face Austin man to man and address. He'd been gone for a year too, but his return obviously wasn't as you know popular. So he comes out making his own grand return. And I remember being pretty hyped for this. Like, here we go. The, the, the internet was a buzz. Maybe it's Billy Gunn. Speculation. They're going to confront it right now. I'm quite pleased Billy Gunn's back. I used to buy into JR's best pure athlete in the WWE narrative. He was tall and jacked, good hair, all the things that I care about. Yeah. And, you know, there he is, face to face with Steve Austin. He tells him categorically, it's not me. He gives him evidence. He gives him clues. And he gives him help. He sends him in several like key directions in his investigations. And Austin, in a moment that really could have put Billy Gunn over, says like, look, you know, I don't trust anybody. You know, I'm pretty angry. You see me stunning all the mid-carders lately. But I believe you. You know, and, and thank you for this. Um, the new information is going to be really helpful finding my man. And then he says, but I never liked you anyway. And he just hits him with a stone cold stunner. <laughs> Welcome back, Billy Gunn. <laughs> You're just like everybody else. You're just a number. Like, crowd goes wild, of course they do. You're not going to be in a building and not pop to a Stone Cold Stunner, especially not in the year 2000, especially when there's not been that many of them. But Christ, there was a frigging lot of them when he got back. <laughs> Every single week on SmackDown. I always think too cool. Never act for me. I always think, like, too cool. We're just, like, really, really fun. The worm was just earnestly fun. Nobody was suggesting that Scotty Too Hotty was going to be challenging The Rock you know, people just really laughed when Jim Ross was forced to say Grandmaster Shaxay on commentary. Like, because the product was fun, really fun. And then, like, 
Steve Austin comes out with a stunner to both of them, and you're like, like nice one, stunners are class, but like, are other people not allowed in the playground now? Are they not, Steve? Is that is that how is is that how school works again? Is it is it is it prison? It's just a bit, I don't know. Really, like he got he got funny again in two thousand and one. Yeah, and like it kind of it tanked financially, so maybe he was onto something with all the stunners. <laughs> I just felt in terms of an atmosphere and a vibe, something started to disappear when Austin came back. Yeah. I've saved, as always, the best till last because this is a very recent example, but one kind of sadistically kind of kind of enjoyed, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. It's Seth Rollins. Yay! And he's there. And DX is there. And the NWO are there. And you think, wow. You know, being associated with those acts, pretty bloody special. Unless, of course, they mug you off and all hug each other and just leave you standing there. Like the lone prick at a wedding. The image, just check out the image. What could you not? <laughs> oh, I remember this being a meme everywhere. Just like I remember watching it going, it's like a bit of a bloody chump there, doesn't he? <laughs> oh god. So yeah, like Seth Rollins, stick it on his like 2019 year to forget almanac. Um it Twitter moved on so quickly that I don't think this meme got the respect it deserves. No, it needs more. It was really Really hot for a day, wasn't it? And then, you know how it is. So it's pretty brutal. On it went. What's great about this is that Sir Rollins was on his arse a little bit with the wrestling fan base because of a number of those tweets. If you remember, what was it? Stomping Grounds was the best pro wrestling period. And then was he it like... Even, it wasn't even a poster for Stomping Grounds. It was called Stomping Grounds, for Christ's sake. It was <laughs> yeah. rain through in a fist. I still will forever be angry about that. It was that show you went to bat with, and that was the one where they only had a three-sided arena. Yep, yep. Curtained off that one side of the building. He'd um, got into a bit of a spat with Osprey, which, mm. you know, fine. I'm not an Osprey guy. But what happened in the end of that was when he tried to use Ricochet, uh, keep keep working, little man, we've already got one of you, and he's miles better. And then Ricochet, Will, Will Osprey, for Christ's sake, had his life. I mean, no further comment. Uh, Seth Rollins then decided to, like, mock how rich Will Ospreay was in comparison to him, which is never a good look, is it, for your top baby face, flexing wealth. So it just hadn't gone well. Um, he'd lost his title to Brock with the view of winning it back, but people loved the Brock title change so much they didn't really want to see Seth get the belt back. Um, <laughs> they did at SummerSlam. That match went really well, but like, it wasn't this sort of heartbreaking thing for Seth to have lost the belt back to Brock. After the real catharsis of him winning it at WrestleMania 35, all of that had drained away. And yeah, this whole thing was um, another one of them dreadful reunion shows where the, the present roster was just pied off by the, the old guys. <laughs> but Seth Rollins wasn't supposed to be the one getting pied off. Uh, DX and the NWO chased off the OC, the heels, when the OC mm. tried to do the too sweet thing. Um, all the old guys got the licks in on the young guys. We, we wish it doesn't happen, but it does. You know, yeah. they're kind of addicted to all that sort of stuff. So they run away. And then Rollins is given a bit of an honour. Because you know how particular Sean and Triple H are with the DX stuff? Nobody's allowed to wear the T-shirt. Nobody's allowed to do the catchphrases or the crotch chops or whatever. Um, but Rollins was given the honour of doing the, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. And like, you can see how buzzed he is. Like, you can see how I'm different to the, like, I'm not like the others. I'm going to get over as a result of my time with the legends in the ring rather than get buried. So he... <laughs> Really, like, sort of, like, widens his stance, 
puts his arm out like he's the rock. The net goes back. I got two words for you. Crowd goes, suck it. You get the brick it down. And then, like, you think all the baby faces are going to come together. And you think, right, because Seth Rollins isn't a baby face, is he? So all of the old guys, as you pointed out, come together in this hug. And what's great about this image getting captured by somebody before the hug breaks up, I don't know if any of them in there had a shred of empathy. I'd like to think Sean Waltman, because he's the one I like. Or yeah. Kevin Nash. Or Kevin Nash, but then I think he's a slave to the banter and he just wanted to do it. Um, Like sees Rollins, but rather than invite him into the hug, they just split off. So he never gets it. He never gets brought in. But thank goodness somebody screen capped it for the meme. Because what's so great about the image is not just that he's being ostracised from a hug, when it's somebody that you kind of want to take a few licks, but his face sells it. Yeah. It's like a wrestling rib. The whole deal with wrestling ribs is you're supposed to not sell it. So, you know, if you sell it, then the ribs are going to get worse. Rollins, with this slapped arse expression, just like, just has this like, Why? Why me? It's like Mario Balotelli celebrating a goal at Old Trafford. Why always me? As these legends that get this amazing ovation. The clip finds Triple H and Kevin Nash locked in a shared laugh. And I want to believe, like Triple H in particular, really enjoying it. I want to believe it's Big Kev saying to his old pal Paul, I think Rollins is right behind me, you know. <laughs> Triple H going, yeah, I know, it's great. I'm not associated with him anymore. I don't care. He's Paul London to me. Yeah, that, what I get from it is DX and the NW. Oh, which is this <laughs> is such a picture. And like you say, it was already going down the tubes at that point. And locker room leader bollocks. Mm. So I could sort of enjoy it. It wasn't like, oh, there's old bastards just ruining what would have been a great... Nah, I'd already given up on him by that point. <laughs> I was already like, yeah, piss off, you dick. And if you hadn't... Flashy suits funny, again, I'll like you again. It's funny you mentioned locker room leader. If you hadn't given up on him, you would hear. Because it's not like... It, it's not like the bushwhackers forget to include him in a hug. Like, Triple H is a boss. Sean's got a big role at NXT. Road Dog has a big role of NXT. He might even then have still been loosely attached to creative on the main roster. Like, these are not just some old guys that have come back and have forgot to include him in something. They're some of his immediate superiors. Mm. And there's some people that the locker room will be looking on and thinking, yep, don't need to care about Seth now. Like, I hope the Miz was like, I think I'm going to go and eat some chicken over his bag. <laughs> Old time's sake. What's he going to do? Nothing. It is the equivalent, isn't it, of like, uh, oh yeah, we're going for some, uh, going for some drinks after work. Actually, if you want to bring that that work experience, kid, yeah, it seems all right. Bring him along, and them going, nah, I'm all right. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. And there's some more of the great ones in this list. Go and check it out. Whatculture.com. Ten shocking WWE babyface burials you totally don't remember. Uh, and let us know your thoughts on what we've sadistically discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflitz at... Michael Hamflitt. Follow me at Adam Wilburn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts, of course. But thanks once again to this article's author, Michael Hamflitz. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 